How about now? The vision of Daniel brings a message to us. It tells us to humble ourselves before God because one day God's kingdom will come in power and glory, wiping away all earthly kingdoms. And the holy ones who are the most high will receive and possess God's kingdom on earth forever and ever. Faith tells us to believe that God has saved us and faith tells us to surrender control of our lives to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. And in doing so, we are brought into his sphere of protection and care and relational connection for eternity. This is the eschatological vision of the hope that we who follow Jesus hold. We look to the finish line. It's always good to see the end from the beginning. When I'm in the middle of a hard project, I looked and visioned to the end, and it gives me a boost to finish. I was talking with someone the other day, and I said to her, you know, this life is the only life that we have to live in faith. After we die or Jesus comes back while we're still living in faith, the trip will be done, right? The project complete. Until the kingdom comes in completeness, the kingdom of God, which was inaugurated at the first coming of Jesus Christ, we will continue, it will continue to come through those who have surrendered their lives to his lordship. On our 25th wedding anniversary, my husband surprised me with a trip to Ireland. He and the girls took me to an Irish pub, and the first present that I got were two tickets to go see you 2 and, and I thought, I was all excited because I love that band. And I thought it was in Tampa. I just imagined it was in Tampa. Well, the next gift they give me is a travel guide to Ireland. And I was perplexed. And of course, I'm, I'm slow. And my husband says, Patricia, look at the tickets again. And I did. And they were for Croke Park, Dublin, Ireland. That's when I realized I was going to see you 2 in Dublin, Ireland for the 360 tour. At that time, I wasn't aware that Bono, the lead singer, is a Christian. I mean, that I do now, because, I mean, you listen to the music, that, the lyrics that he's written, and you can tell. Well, Bono has just published out November 1st his, his memoir called Surrender, 40 songs, one story. And he wrote this. He said, when I started to write this book, I was hoping to draw in detail what I'd previously only sketched in songs, the people, the places, the possibilities in my life. Surrender is a word freighted with meaning for me. Growing up in Ireland in the 70s with my fists up, musically speaking, surrender was not a natural concept, a word that I only circled or until while I was gathering my thoughts for this book. I'm still grappling with this most humbling of commands in the band, in my marriage, in my faith. Surrender is the story, he says, of one pilgrim's lack of progress. 
But then in NPR interview, Bono said this, I'm learning to surrender to our maker. And one day, my goal is to be surrendered in totality. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, gives us an overview of the plan of salvation in 1 through 1, 1 through 14, before he gives us the key to Christian living. I think it's important for us to understand how we are to participate in that plan of salvation and how God has prepared us to participate so that we can face the obstacles along the way with courage. In Ephesians chapter 1, 1 through 14, Paul gives this sweeping overview of God's plan for salvation. He laid out that God had, like the allies in World War II, invaded Normandy Beach with the, when the crucifixion, the coming, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Now, we all know that D-Day was the, was the day that World War II was actually won, but we also know that after D-Day, there were a lot of battles to be fought. In verse 10, Paul tells us that God's end plan for the fullness of time is to gather all things up in him, in heaven, things in heaven, things on earth, the gathering of all things in him, that will be V-Day. Right now, we're living in between D-Day and V-Day. The war is won, but there's an awful lot of battles to be fought over plots of land until the end. My father was a Marine. He is a Marine. And I remember him telling me, that as a soldier, uh, you do what you're told to do, right? As a soldier, you train for war, but you don't train by yourself. You train in a company. You don't go to war by yourself. So you train in a company, that, and, and you train together, you go to war together, and you follow the chain of command, everybody. And when you don't, then you hurt the company. When we became Christians, we're no longer subject to the overlord of sin and death. We are taken out of that kingdom. Our master changes. The lordship of our lives changes. Jesus is not only our savior, our Messiah, but he is our king. He's our king we answer to. When we see Jesus, we should see him as Lord, the master of our destiny. In this war zone that we find ourselves in, Paul tells us that this kingdom that is coming on earth, that kingdom that Daniel's vision talks about, has in measure already come in Christ. That is a very special phrase, in Christ. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 connects Christ with Adam by his understanding of the universal scope of Christ's atoning work on the cross. He writes, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died, that's Adam, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised again. Christ is the new beginning of humanity. Christ is the new beginning of humanity. Every church of believers is a kind of outpost 
outpost for the mission of God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven in Christ. Is the, that is the company that we belong to. We are called to be different. We're called to be a peculiar people among the peoples of the earth because we belong to the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, but all are in one in Christ. Galatians 3. In Christ you have been raised, put to death what's earthly, put on the new self, Colossians 3. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self, this new self that is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4. In Christ qualifies the idea of a believer being in a body, the body of Christ. We who are many are one body in Christ, Romans 12. The body is a metaphor of the interdependence and unity of believers, not just the ones that are living, but the ones who have gone on before us. This body of the king, of kingdom bringers right? Created in the likeness of God. And that is true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness is that which would Jesus would call justice. And holiness, holiness is the quality of being personally devoted or dedicated to God. It is a word that requires relational faithfulness toward God and our neighbors. We are a people who are to embody the blessings of the Beatitudes. Our new self, created in the likeness of God, is a self that is all about the justice of the gospel of Jesus. And this new self is completely devoted, dedicated to God's mission and God's will. In Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance. We have been given, not worked to get. Actually, the word obtained is claro, which means, carries the meaning to obtain something by a random casting of lots. It, it is often understood as indicative of the divine will. God is the initiator. That's important to remember. It's hard to remember we're creatures of forgetfulness, but praise be to God, his grace is given time and time again. So what is the inheritance? Traditionally, we think of inheritance as heaven. How many of us have read um, Paul Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress, right, that classic book where the hero gets to the end of his life and he goes off to share in the life of heaven? That's not what Paul is referring to. The inheritance is the whole world when Jesus comes back to judge the living and the dead and to create a new heaven and a new earth. Remember, Paul told us in verse 10, God would gather all things up to him in heaven and on earth in the fullness of time. The inheritance is the promise to Abraham fulfilled. The kingdom will come on, on earth as it is in heaven. 
and we will take possession of the good land. How does God prepare us to participate with him in this plan of salvation? Verse 13, he says, it says, In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. God marked us. He marks us with a seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This phrase carries the sense to be sealed securely, to be or to become designated and made secure as a sign of authentication or ownership. Luke 24 tells, Jesus tells his disciples, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city till you have been clothed with power from on high. And in John, he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name will teach you everything that you have, everything and remind you of all that I have taught you. So the Holy Spirit is the power and the knowledge that we are given to live into this relationship with God in his kingdom, of, of this kingdom of God's life. God prepares us to live with him for eternity by giving us a pledge of our inheritance, a partial payment made at the time of purchase. That's what pledge means in this context of this verse. God secures us with a partial payment. When I was 21, I had spent three years mad at God, for in my thinking, I, I thought he was an instrument in an accident that I had got, gotten into. In those three years of my life, I spiraled into the depths of loneliness, suspicion, self-hatred at all. And at the bottom of that winding cochlear, I found myself in the Orange County Jail booked for a DUI and spending the night getting sober. The next day, I called my father. He came and he picked me up, took me back to, the, to our, their house, and I sat on the front porch with my mother, and I was smoking a cigarette. And I turned to my mother and I said, Mom, Maybe God's trying to do something. And when I said those words, I felt a heat enter into the top of my head, and it went all throughout my body, out my hands, both my hands. There wasn't an inch on my body that I didn't feel that feeling. And I turned to my mother and I said, did you feel that? And she said no, and then I felt silly. And I went to smoke my cigarette, and I could not put it to my lips and I flicked out my cigarette and I turned to my mother and I said is there a Bible in the house and she kind of looked at me perplexed and she goes well I have a big family Bible so she went and got my the big family Bible and she gave it to me I took it I went back to the back room 
I shut the door, I threw it on the bed because I didn't know really what, I threw it on the bed, put my stomach on the bed and looked and started reading. And it was the Gospel of John. As I laid on that bed and I began to read, the gospel came alive to me. There on that bed, I saw for the first time the love that God had for me. I felt his love. It was there at the cross that I repented. And I, I guess I prayed. I didn't really know I was praying. And I stopped praying because there was a overwhelmingly heavy presence and as I sat there, it scared me so much that I got up. I popped up and I ran outside and I went to the back and I stood in the back. Now, I had lived all over the world, but I looked at the sky and it was bluer than I've ever seen. I'd never seen a sky that blue. And I looked at the trees and the grass and they were greener than I'd ever seen before. It was like somebody put a color over my eyes. And for the first time in my 21 years of living on this earth, I felt awe and wonder. I knew standing there that I had, something had happened. And the kicker is this. I went back inside and I called my mother and my father to the kitchen table and I said, sit down. I am going to take full responsibility for everything that I've done. This, I've done some bad things here. I'm not going to ask you for money to pay my court costs. I'm not going to ask you to take me to, to wherever I have to go. I will walk and I'll take a bus. I'll do whatever I have to do. It's all on me, not on you. And my parents looked at me like I had five heads. They were like, body snatcher, where's our daughter? It was that kind of a moment. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes into us, we are changed. You see, relational intimacy is restored to us. That had gone away at the garden. The Holy Spirit teaches us and empowers us to live out the values and characteristics that matter to God. We cannot be inhabited by the Holy Spirit and not change. God prepares us to live into the relationship with him by giving us his own spirit in measure as a down payment to work in us and prepare us, not just in us, but through us in this life of faith. He heals the relational gap of intimacy with him that was lost in the garden. He prepares us he prepares us with that relational intimacy, an intimacy that changes us. That is how God prepares us. Then he looked up at his disciples and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who recognize your position of humbleness before the God who is your maker. Blessed are you when you surrender control of your life. Blessed are you when you acknowledge your need for God's Holy Spirit to work in you and through you at, to love as God loves. 
Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst after righteousness and holiness, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you who see with the eyes of God the need of people, and when you see the need of people, your heart hurts just as God's does. You ex will experience victory and delight at, the, at Victory Day. How do we participate in God's plan of salvation? Christ is the new beginning of humanity. Not the old humanity, new humanity. We live humbly surrendered to God in Christ. We remember our lives are not our own. We belong to the one who gave himself for us. Therefore, we join his passion, his mission, and we enter into his will. We welcome and receive the Holy Spirit's empowerment to fulfill the hard commandments and instructions of his will. In Bono's book, Surrender, 40 Songs, One Story, Bono writes of his faith. Quote, if I was in a cafe and somebody said, stand up if you're ready to give your life for Jesus, he said, I would be the first person to rise to my feet. May we be a people so filled with devotion and dedication to Jesus. Amen. Oh,